Welcome to the Amazing Clocks Podcast on the Black Love Podcast Network. My name is Anthony Clark. And I'm Melanie Clark. And we are the Amazing, Amazing Clocks. We're both award-winning certified life and love coaches and a husband and wife duo that have been coaching together as a team for 22 years and that have been passionately in love for 30. They call us the Amazing Clocks because we empower people to live amazing lives. And you are part of our love revolution. We are talking about energy, ideas, and concepts to help you love yourself and others more because we sure do need more love in this universe. That's right. So this part of the show, we have catching up with the clocks. But once again, this is a continuation of our last show when we talked about our amazing trip to Ghana, Africa. And so... On this episode, we're going to continue where we left off last time. So if you didn't check out the first part, make sure you go back and check out that last episode. Yes. So we left off with the fact that we had visited what's called the Slave River. And this was a really spiritual experience for me. You know, I think like most people... you. Slavery is like a concept. It's an idea. We've heard about it. We've read about it. But can I tell you when we went to this river? So this river is a um, it's not a tourist attraction, but it's it's like sacred ground that they've kept and they allow people to come and do tours to understand what happened to our ancestors. So when they were captured, they were chained together and they were walked for how many days through the jungle? Well, they were walked at the walk. Well, for months at a time. Yeah. And literally hundreds of miles. And they were shackled, our ancestors, and they were stripped naked. They were chained to each other. And they were marched through the jungles. The men, the women, the children. The ones that were either if you were slow or if you got sick or just tired, they would tie you to a tree and they would cut you so that the animals could smell you and then animals would come and they'd eat you alive while the others escaped. So they basically used our ancestors as distractions. Decoy. Decoy so that they could continue the trek. And millions of them died in the jungle and then those that survived that then had to survive the slave dungeons. Well first they walked them through this river to this area where they cleaned them up and got them ready to sell. So they would make them bathe in this river because they had been walking through the jungles for months. So we went to this river and we were able to walk the path that they walked to get their, um, what they call their last bath. Last bath yeah. And so Anthony and I were able to walk barefoot in the path that they walked on. And can I tell you when I could feel the energy in the ground, it was incredible. I felt so connected to our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And then we bathed in the river. And while we were bathing in the river, the ritual was really releasing pain that was taken into our energy and our cells through ancestral healing. So we were literally doing ancestral healing at this river and it was so beautiful. And like just thinking about it just makes me want to cry. It was so overwhelming. And to think, you know, and this just really struck me, you know, as black people in America, there's this narrative that we're not enough and it's a negative narrative or whatever, but to know that so many of our ancestors took this journey and that we are, their ancestors, we survived it. How powerful and how strong must their DNA be that they went through that and the ones that survived, we are their offspring. 
So that means we have the strongest DNA of the African people that came across here. We survived. And when I tell y'all the women, oh my God, the women, that's why black women are so powerful and so strong. We are so strong because the women, the women were ripped apart from their husbands for their children. They had to take the same walk. They battled through it. And then they had to deal with rape in the dungeons and just so many atrocities. But so many of them survived it and we are we are their offspring and mm -hmm. i look at that and it just really put it into perspective for me like i look at life through a different lens now and i realize that if our people can survive that we can do anything mm -hmm. we can do anything we are powerful we yeah. are powerful powerful people yeah. because we come from powerful powerful people so to me the story of slavery is not that we are not enough it is that we are incredible. We are incredible that we survived that. Yeah, you know, and so it was a very spiritual, a lot of spiritual growth for me. Yeah, I agree. And when we took the bath, we bathed in the same river that our ancestors bathed in when yes. they had the last, um, last bath. And at that moment, I really, really felt the energy. Mm -hmm. And it broke me down. And I cried. I cried like a baby. I'm still crying. Yeah. And, you know, it was pretty interesting because, you know, they were, some of the people there, the, they looked at it like, hey, why are you crying? Don't cry. Be strong. And it was like, you crazy? I'm being strong now. By crying, I'm being strong because I'm mm -hmm. being vulnerable. I was very, very okay with that, you know, with being openly emotional. And it was very cleansing. Yeah. And it was very healing. It helped me to connect more with the ancestors. I literally felt what they were going through. And so it was very powerful. Then we went to the dungeons. Yes. So from the river, then we went the next day to the dungeons. Mm -hmm. That was too much, too much emotional shifting for one day. So then the next day we went to the slave dungeons. They called them slave castles. I refuse to call it a castle yeah, because castles. it was not a castle. It was a, it was a dungeon because horrible, horrible things happened there. And we just learned what they went through, how they packed, you know, 400 people in this small space. And, you know, they had a, a governor that was overseeing it that would have women brought into the court and cleaned up so that he could rape them. And then he would send them back into the dungeons. Women, like I said, were separated from their children. They were separated from their men. And, and something that I, I never thought of you guys, maybe you've thought of this, but I didn't think of it. They didn't know what was happening to them. Mm -mm. They didn't even know what was happening. They were just living their lives. They were out getting water and someone would snatch them. They were kidnapping them. And so I just thought about like the, not only was it so horrific that they were locked in these dungeons, they didn't know why they were there and they didn't know they were being taken somewhere else. They didn't know where they were going. Mm -hmm. So this whole time, all this stuff was happening to them and they, they had no idea why and what was going to happen And their next. family never knew what happened to them. It's like they just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah. And even that part, I didn't know this either. In Ghana, what they did was after a certain amount of time, they stopped talking about it. And this, and I think this is a really important point. They stopped talking about what happened because they felt ashamed, because they decided like it's it's bad we don't want to talk about it we don't want let's pretend like it didn't happen and then they realized that their children were not learning the truth 
and they realized by not telling the truth about what happened, they were leaving the door open for it to happen again. Mm -hmm. So they went and they refurbished all of the dungeons. We were at one. There is in in Ghana alone. There are forty dungeons. We visited one, and that was yes. Yeah, that was and that was and it was a crazy and so they realized we have to tell the true history and we have to face it and they had some responsibility in it because at one point the chief the king whatever you want to call him he allowed them to take african people and then that started them they got the portuguese right. he did it reluctantly yeah he did it, it reluctantly would, yeah. but they owned it so they came back and they said we are sorry we allowed that to happen to our own people because it was their people. We're their people, and that's why they're inviting us back. They're trying to it's, write it's a, a form wrong. of reparations. It's a form of reparations, right. and that's when healing happens. When you acknowledge that something bad, you apologize for it, and you do something to make it better. And that's what Ghana is doing. And you know, a lot of people said, like, why would you go look at that? And it's so sad, and you wouldn't right. want to see that. No, we need to know mm -hmm. what happened to us. We need to honor our ancestors and we need to heal from it. And I'll share this with you guys. Like when I went and I saw that, it broke my heart. I'm like, Anthony, it broke me down. It was so sad. But then I also just really realized the strength and the power. And I just, I fell in love with my ancestors. Right. But you guys, I'm half white. So I had to face my white ancestors too. And I had to realize the atrocities that they did. And that's those are my ancestors too. And I had to really do a lot of forgiving and realizing that they were not evolved, that they were brutal and they were not evolved souls and they did not have love and they did not have compassion. And being half white, that I want to make sure that I'm compassionate and that I have love. And as someone who has white DNA, we all need to be the most compassionate that we could be because we come from a very brutal history and we will never heal from it if we do not face it. If we do not face it and say that happened and I'm sorry that that happened and I will do everything in my power to make sure that people are never mistreated like that again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, for me as well, it's like I was a link in a chain that was by itself. So I was like a separate link and going to Africa and having that experience, it felt like I connected to the rest of the link to the past and to the future. I felt, I felt complete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I felt a belonging, a part of something beautiful and that has been here since the beginning of time. And, and it just healed me in just so many ways that I didn't expect. And I didn't even realize how much I needed it. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. There was literally, by facing all of that stuff, there was literally a part of me that I didn't know was missing that showed up. Mm -hmm. So much more love. And y'all know I'm pretty loving already, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. even more love came into my body. Even more yeah. love came into my heart. Even more connection came in and that's what happens when you acknowledge mm -hmm. what's going on in life when you acknowledge the past and you you look at it and you learn from it and you grow from it and that's what we went and did and so and, and you know it was actually I, I just realized why it was why one of the reasons why it probably touched us on even a deeper than normal level hmm. 
And it's because when we coach, and we've been coaches for 22 years, yep. and when we're coaching, we're tapping into energy. Yep. And yes, we're being logical, but really we're channeling. And we put our energy into other people's energy and feel what they feel. And and so by having that experience, we were tapping using those same techniques and tapping in yes. to the energy. So we mm-hmm. were experiencing it on a much deeper level. Yep. And which I'm grateful for as well. But it was uh that just hit me. It was just the realization like, oh, that's that well, makes sense. You know you know what we are guiding people to is more self-love and that's what we experienced because if you think about it like think about what we talk about you guys like we're doing inner child work this was ancestral work it's so much deeper it's a deeper Mm -hmm. version of ourselves and we noticed we fell in love with ourselves more and then we fell in love with each other more But weren't we just, I mean, we love each other a lot, but do you feel like Ghana just having that experience together changed our relationship? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I, I made, I had made a post about that mm-hmm. where I was saying that coming to Africa, not only did I fall more in love with myself and Africa, but I also fell more in love with you. Yep. I did too. Yeah. And, and sharing that experience and that adventure with you and that, connection and and something so sacred and even just you having a lady balls to to have the courage (laughs) to take the trip to africa with me you know and i want to go so it was like i was that made it that was beautiful oh thank you i loved it all i i definitely fell more in love with you too and you know part of love is living life together like when you're choosing a partner you you want to think like who would I want to spend my life with and, and what kind of life do we want to live? And you and I have always, from the first time we started dating, we talked about living a big life and having adventures and doing something big and having big contribution. And this was us like stepping into that on the next level. So of course it created more love between us. It was awesome. Yeah. So even yeah. though we even, had some- Even uh, the hmm. sex was hotter in the Africa. <laughs> you can say the it. sex was hotter. The it's sex okay. was hotter in Sex was hotter in Africa. Yeah. We were getting Actually, that. but we brought it back though. Yeah, we brought we that hot sexiness back, baby. That's it's still right. here. I'm not even going to lie right. to you right now. It was like, look at this connection. <laughs> this is next level. <laughs> All right. I'm feeling the love. I'm loving for the real motherland. Though. For real, hey. though. Right? That's right. <laughs> DNA activated. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, even though those experiences with all the slave stuff were sad, you guys, it yeah. was liberating. And I hope mm-hmm. everybody hears that and you don't avoid it because it's liberating. You will learn to love yourself on a deeper level uh, by looking at it. Yeah. So, l- let's talk about the food. Okay. okay let me food. say this. We've been pescatarians for about seven years now yes and our spirit was like you know what for this trip let's get off that pescatarian you trip are so free we to eat really, the meat. you are free to eat <laughs> and and man oh man first of all it was not like the food in america because nope. it was fresh it was so there wasn't all that processed they stuff. invented organic man i thought i had a pineapple before Mm-mm. i've never had a pineapple I, for for 50 years, 50 plus years of my life, I've been eating this thing in America that I thought was a pineapple. Mm-mm. It ain't and, no pineapple. We tasted a pineapple in Ghana and it was like, what? what is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, That's a pineapple. It's like, yes. whoa. 
Whoa. Uh, I can only describe it like when you eat a pineapple in America, the core is hard and you can't eat it. In Ghana, you can eat the entire pineapple. The core is sweet. It's soft. It's delicious. All the fruit. Uh, All the food. A banana. You guys, we ain't eating no bananas in America. (laughs) A banana tastes like a banana, not banana flavored in Ghana. Yes. It's the real deal. Yes. Um, everything was just the, delicious. Yeah, the, the meat was fresh. We had chicken. We had a little bit of beef here and there. Yeah. Um, with the uh, stew, the stew was The all, stew was all amazing. amazing. You, you know what was the interesting? Ba- the banku. Uh, banku. Banku. Yes. And with the stew. Oh. So what is banku? Banku is like, um, it's like this dough kind of thing that you eat with the food it's cassava it's like cassava cassava dough and mm. then you dip it in the stews and eat it kind of like a um po- it's kind of like a poi or something like that yeah, and it was funny because our tour guy was laughing at me because he was like you've never eaten that but you eat that like you were born here because uh-huh. it was just like the dna just you kicked just in it was just it. like i just, just knew, knew to do it. <laughs> what to do with it yeah. yeah uh the food was so good and i think we felt so comfortable eating the meat because they are the inventors of this idea of free range. You know how we're like, free range chickens, free range. We're mm-hmm. giving them some room to run around. No, nah, you ain't seen free range free range till you're in Africa. Mm-hmm. Goats running around the street, chickens running around the street. Mm-hmm. Like all the animals are free to roam around. Yes. And they're they're not contained at all. They're living amongst the people. And they're in traffic. There were goats in traffic. I was like, is that a goat walking? They cross the street better than people. And they stopped for the goats, like, get out of the way. Okay, go. Okay, we're going. Um, So the food was amazing. Um, And one of the best experiences that I had, and I love this so much. I love the community. Everyone in Accra goes to the beach on Sunday. And can I tell you, kids, married couples, single people, partying dancing uh they set up you walk into the beach and they're like do you want a table you get a vip table right in front of the ocean there are people entertaining there were acrobats on the beach horses for horseback riding musicians uh people selling anything that you could decide that you want Mm -hmm. and is just one big party and everyone getting along and everyone celebrating that it's sunday and just communing with each other every dancing and partying and i got up and started dancing and doing my (laughs) thing and then some other Ghanaian brother got up and started dancing with me Mm -hmm. and we were like compared like doing different moves together and they're the same moves, just with a different twist. So I'm doing my little Brooklyn thing. He's doing his Ghanaian thing. It's like, check that out. It's like the same moves because yes. it's the same people, the same DNA. Yes. Yes, it's in our blood. Let those drums start playing. You'll, you'll, you'll see the black people. Yes. And That's so right. because we went on weekend excursions, we got to, like Anthony said, we got to see rural areas. We got, we went to a river. Oh, my goodness. We stayed at this beautiful hotel called the Royal Senchi Hotel beautiful beautiful hotel and it's on this river so we took this ride on the river together we're on this river boat seeing this beautiful river and there's little islands all around it and our tour guide was telling us that some african americans own these little islands and they've built hotels on them Mm -hmm. so our brothers and sisters are going over there and building businesses setting up their lives after we went and did that we went to an awesome restaurant called mabel's table and Mabel's Table is owned by African-Americans. And it's this beautiful restaurant on the beach. 
and their home is built on it. And we got there and there were a bunch of American expats um, that they congregate there. So they were having a little meeting and they invited us to their meeting and just talking about what's going on with politics, what's going on with money. They told us how we could apply for dual citizenship, how we could get land to build on. And just everyone co-oping and helping each other really set their lives up there. And I found this fascinating, and I know it's the truth. There are a couple of older people there that had gone to retire, and they were literally saying that they know moving to Ghana added 10 years to their life. Because their bodies... They could feel their bodies healing. One guy was telling me he had really bad knees when he got there. And he said, I just started going in the ocean every day. And he said, it took about two weeks. And he said, the inflammation in my knees went away. And he's like, I walk like I never had any knee problems before. Blood pressure going down because of the food. Mm -hmm. And the sun. And the sun. And beautiful, clean air. Yes. Yes, yes. It's the the Garden of Eden. You know, one of the things that, really really blew my mind which hmm. was amazing so many beautiful right? yeah, so many things it was that there was no crime there <gasps> oh, we there was no murders there was no they may you may gonna have little petty crimes here and there but for the most part not at all Mm-mm. not at all i've never that's the safest i've ever felt in my yes. life being yeah. in africa and being in ghana in, Amer- in america i've never felt safe like that i'm always looking over my back over my shoulder. You feel like you got to watch your back. Yeah, you got to feel like you got to watch your back. But in Ghana, no, you don't feel like you that. don't. You don't feel like that. One night, one night we were and, walking, and you don't home. even see very many cops. No, no, there's no. You don't need it. One they, night, you guys. One night we were walking home at three o'clock in the morning. We had gone to have breakfast, and we were walking back to our hotel. And so we decided to take these back streets, and there wasn't, and it's was really dark. And then there's like people kind of walking around. There are kids walking around at one o'clock in the morning. That's how safe it is. Like children on the main streets. Mm-hmm. And so we're walking and it's really kind of dark. And I could tell there are people on the street. And I was like, I am not scared. This is weird. I am walking down a dark street and there are people on the street. I can't really see them, but I know there's people on the street, but I do not feel scared. You can just tell that no one wants to harm you. And it was crazy because... Like you can see it in just their daily interactions. Like when they drive, they honk at each other, honk, honk, honk. But they're not, it's not road rage. They're like, I'm on the side of you. I want to pass you. They're just letting, or there's no sidewalk. So they're, they're honking to let people walking, knowing I'm coming up behind you. Get out the way. And it's just like crazy that you just don't see the aggression. Again, we're back to the aggression. The aggression no, is not there. I was the there. aggressor if anybody Anthony was. was the aggressor. They're not <laughs> aggressive. One day we were eating and someone raised their voice and I'm not kidding. Everyone on the street stopped to look and see what was going on because they're just not used to people yelling at each other. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But I'm with Anthony. The main thing that stood out because we talked to some people about this, they don't believe in killing each other. They value human life. Murder is not a thing there. That's not how they settle disputes. Not in Ghana. Not in Ghana. I don't know about other countries in uh, Africa, but not in Ghana. And then you guys, when I came back, we came back to a bunch of murder trials. In America. In America. And it was just so contrasting. And then also to just think like, we're just so used to murder. It's on TV. It's everywhere. You don't see that very much on the TV. They didn't have, we watch television there. You know what they have on their TV? News. What news and what news, sports. sports and their versions of soap novellas. operas. <laughs> yeah. Soap operas about relationships. 
Everybody loves a relationship, right? Yeah. That was huge. That was so yeah. noticeable. I was That's going through the channel safe. and it was like, look at that. No violent. I'm not seeing those violent movies and people shooting each other left mm-hmm. and right. It was like, I get it. Right. And you know, and I really truly believe that in America, the African-Americans here that are descendants, that what we experience in Ghana is what we truly are as black, as a people. Yes. And the whole slave trade and the traumas and the years of oppression and the programming, we've been turned into something that we're not. Yes. And it was good to see that, to go back to the source of what we really are, which makes me realize that we can be that again because that's who we are. And so it's a matter of us, you know, unprogramming ourselves or in creating a new, reprogramming ourselves to, to go back to our roots. Well, I, I don't even think it's a reprogramming. It's a remembering. Mm-hmm. Remembering who you really but it's, are. But it's the unprogramming of love. the, it's unprogramming of yeah. the, the crap. Yes. And the stuff that we've been yes. taught that we are. Absolutely. So as you guys could tell, this was a life changing oh, oh, trip for us. And then here's something else that got me too that blew me away. Hmm. We were in the village with the tour guide, and then the co- we had a little car issue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the car overheated. And we're, like, out there. So it was like, okay, how's this going to work out? Because <laughs> there's not like a Pet Boys across the street, anything like that. There was a hose with a metal piece, and the metal piece rusted. And as we were looking, trying to look at it, we went under the hood, People were just passing by and they would come and they'd look and what's going on. And, and the whole community got together and started bringing, like coming back with like hoses and somebody went to get crazy glue and somebody went to get a saw, <laughs> a, a saw and then they came back and they cut off this metal pieces and everybody's working together. And I'm sitting back observing. Nobody's arguing. Nobody's fighting. The young kids are helping. The older people are helping and everybody's just working as one. They created their own piece, replacement piece. So basically, they created, they were their own pet boys. (laughs) And can I tell you, it worked perfectly. And they started that car, and everybody just started to kind of walk away, like, there's nothing. And I just started clapping. And I was like, (laughs) hey, hey. Hey, and they all stopped and looked at me like, what's going on? I was like, kudos to all of y'all. That was amazing. I just loved it. I love it, love it, love it. And they were like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it was like, man, I'm proud to be African. I'm so (laughs) proud to be African. (laughs) Yeah, that was was amazing. So resourceful, just so creative, and just so much community. Well. You know, one of the things that Stephen said after that happened, because we were super impressed, he was saying that the kid that kind of figured out how to make the part, that he's he's like the techie guy in the village. Mm -hmm. So he handles all the tech for everybody in the village. And that he, um, I think he was going to be going away and going to school. He was going to be going to MIT. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another thing you guys. very educated. Very very. educated. So the children, listen to this, parents, they pay for their children to go to private elementary school to prepare them for high school because the high schools are so good that if they don't go to private elementary, they can't make it through high school. Mm-hmm. And the high schools are so difficult because they're prepping them for university. The kids speak three, they teach the kids three languages in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Three languages. 
Yes. Americans, we have trouble with one language. <laughs> Jeez, trying to learn three. Right. So just a whole nother world, life-changing trip. Um, we just wanted to share it with you guys. We learned so much and we learned so much about ourselves and it absolutely goes back to our love revolution. We need to learn to love every part of ourselves. Our history may not be the prettiest history, but it's our history and we survived it. Not only did we survive it, we thrived it, y'all. Yes. We thrived it. And yes. I feel a lot of pride in that. And I think it's really important that we reconnect with our roots whenever we can and that we recognize that we are part of Africa and Africa is part of us. And they're yes. welcoming us back, so we should welcome them too. Right. And it was great too that both of our DNA uh, we both have Ghanaian roots in our DNA. Yes. And also, which for me, this was like, get to got to get to Africa mm-hmm. because um, a lot of you may not know it, but I did my DNA and I found out that I share the paternal bloodline with Pharaoh Ramses III, who's the last ancient black pharaoh. And so that really even He's added more king. to my... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you're my queen. Baby. That's right, baby. That's right. And so um, that that even was more, that made it even more special to me. Yes. Well, you know, um, I don't know. Have we talked about True Legacy Foundation no, on haven't. this podcast? No, we haven't. No. So we also, we also have a nonprofit. Like, I, I love to share this with you guys because I live with him and I get to experience it. But Anthony's amazing. I know I always talk about how amazing Anthony is. No, but he's got, he's got incredible intuition. And so... He had started saying like five years ago that if as African-Americans, we could reconnect with our roots, we would feel more empowered as a people. So we started a nonprofit. It's called True Legacy Foundation. And we collect donations to get uh, free DNA testing for African-American youth. We want young people to to love themselves because they're our future, right? And to be connected. So we started this foundation and the whole foundation is built off of the idea if you go back to Africa and reconnect with your roots, if you know what where your DNA is, you know where you're from. So we did our DNA and just by doing his DNA, he felt more empowered. Yeah. So and, and, and you know, and that was so important to me because growing up as a young black child in America, you know, I remember being in third grade class and we're going through history and the teacher was like, okay, uh, the white kids, raise your hands. And the white kids raise their hands and they're like, and they, then she told us about their European ancestry and European history that went back thousands of years and all the amazing achievements that they did at cre- and, and contributions that they've made in the world. And then she's like, Asian kids, raise your hands. And the same thing with the Asian kids. And then at the end, it's like, black kids, raise your hands. And they're like, uh, slavery. Martin Luther King, and that's it. And we're like, what? Is that it? We have no history? And basically, we were taught that we didn't have a history as black people. And so that always bothered me as a child. And in actuality, it made most of the black kids in the class embarrassed to be African. Mm -hmm. And then when they would show us things about Africa, they were showing us, you know, the ancestors being naked and hungry and just dirty and chained up. And it was like, as a kid, you don't want to be associated with that. Then you look at the European history and the other the white kids and it's like, man, they had a good, I want, I'd rather be that than yeah. what I am. And so it creates like an identity crisis in you and it makes you feel a little inferior. 
even if you don't want to admit it, you actually feel that because you're being taught that you're inferior. There's a comparison. Exactly. And you don't get a good comparison. You're right. The low. And I'm going to be real. One of the biggest insults that we would, as black kids, that we could throw at each other was to call each other African. And be like, you're an African. What? You're an African. You're an African. Because we were taught and programmed to hate ourselves mm-hmm. and to hate people that look like us. And so once I got to a certain age and started doing my own research, then that's when I learned the truth. That Africa was the, was the beginning of civilization. They had more contributions to the world than any other, any, any other race of people. The mathematics, the science, all of it. But we weren't taught that. And so that inspired me to get my DNA test. And then when I got that, that was life changing for me. And I felt like I belonged to something beautiful and And great. And I knew knew who I was. At least I had a basic idea of who I was and who my ancestors were. And so that experience experience was so powerful for me that I was like, I got to help. I want others to experience that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the average black family that they're not focused on that because they're focused on day-to-day life. And if they have that extra money, they're not going to spend it three or $400 on average to get a DNA test. So th- at that point, I wanted to start the nonprofit to raise the funding so that we can connect our, Afri- our, our black youth to the African roots. And once we did that, that would happen, then that would inspire them, a lot of them, to want to learn more about who they are. It would increase their self-esteem, their self-confidence, their self-pride, their self-image. And it actually can have a positive impact on them throughout their entire life. And so that's why we started True Legacy Foundation, so that we can take back our narrative as, of, as far as who we are as a people and not leave it to Europeans to tell our history and who we are as a people. Yes. And one of the things that we discovered and we didn't realize we were going to discover, and oh, I just want to like tell you guys every little thing was that the Africans were so smart. Once they realized that they were being kidnapped and enslaved, they started fighting back. Mm-hmm. And they had like magical powers. Like they they were using plants. They had this plant that they would plant all around their villages because if anyone came near it, the plant would lay down. So then they would know if there was an intruder. We in got their, to we got to village. see this plant. We got, we got to, to, to see interact it. with this plant. Yeah, and it you, was mind blowing. You wave your hand over it, and the whole plant lays down. So then they would know if someone was coming in the periphery. Then they started setting up rocks to the entrances of their homes that were low to the ground. So you'd have to stick your head in first to get in. So if it was an intruder, off with their head. And so they started getting, and, and then they had like, this is very interesting. There were uh, reports of them utilizing plant medicine to make themselves invisible. They were talking about them levitating. I, I did a lot of, I, before the, we even took this trip, I did amazing. a lot. I've been doing research for years and even a lot of European history. And I was running across that quite often about stories about that from yeah. and Europeans were writing about that. Yeah. That they experienced They had like magical powers. And so the enslavers started realizing it. So that's one of the reasons that they wouldn't let them talk to each other and they separated them. And why even when they got in America, they wanted to disconnect them from their roots. They took away their names 
because the names lead them back to their villages and they connect them to each other. So there was a whole campaign of separating Africans from each other because they knew they were powerful when they communicated with each other. And so that's part of why I believe today still African-American people still have to work on our connection with each other because it was severed on purpose keep us from being as powerful as we have been. So that, you guys, that's the love revolution right there. We got to love ourselves. We got to love our roots and we got to love our history. So I know that's a lot. We dropped a lot on you guys today. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. I hope you're following us on social media. Um, our handles, the amazing Clarks. I posted a bunch of pictures and videos. If you want to go look at this stuff, go to our um, Instagram and even our Facebook. There's yes. a lot of it on our Facebook page. Yeah. So for all of you guys, you know, for hanging out with us on this episode, I want to say Madasi to you all. Madasi. Madasi means thank, thank you. you. And if you want to respond back, you can say Akwaba. Aquaba. Aquaba. You're welcome. You're welcome. So on that note, make sure you guys get a copy of our book, Crack the Code, The Secrets to Achieving Your Happily Ever After. If you want to become a life coach or want to learn some lessons, uh, some techniques to life coach yourself, check out mm-hmm. our Law of Attraction Life Coach Academy at the Law of Attraction Life Coach, LifeCoachAcademy.com. And uh, anything else, baby? Uh, remember to love yourself and each other. Your energy affects everything in the universe. And the more love that you have for you, the more love that you spread in the world. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. There you go. We gave it to you. Now what you're going to do with it?